0: Hey guys, and welcome to the podcast channel for Impact Student Ministries, which is based out of Eubank Baptist Church in Eubank, Kentucky. We are all about discovering who Jesus is, discovering His purpose for us, and inviting others to do the same. We would love for you to join us on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. This podcast is a place where you can catch up on past conversations from our Wednesday night worship experiences. To stay connected, you can follow us on Instagram at Youth all one word, and on Facebook at Impact Ubank BC. Thank you for being part of the conversation, and let's keep discovering who Jesus is together. We're going to jump right into uh, our conversation tonight. So, uh, first off, if you're on the Bible crew, stand up, go in the back, grab some Bibles, start passing them out. If I can get a few of y'all to help them with that, that would be incredibly awesome of you. Um, and so while they are doing that, while they're passing out the Bibles as we uh, come into the most important time um, of our services, I want to tell you two things, okay? One, and I, and, I, and I mean this with everything inside me, and I know everyone, every adult in this room believes this too, if you are here, whether you're in person or you're online, we are so glad that you are here. We are so glad that you are giving us some of your time, so we're glad that you're here. That's, that's one. Two is this. Everything that I say, not that important, but everything that God says and has said is so important. So that's why we pass out Bibles every single week so that you can have a Bible in your hand so that you can have your own experience with God's living Word. And because it's living, it means that every time it's opened, every time that a page is turned, God speaks through that. And so we want want you to know know those two things. One, we're glad you're here. And two, that, that nothing I say is important, but everything that God says is so important. So once you have a Bible in your hands, uh, whether it's one of ours here in the student space or it's your own, start making your way to Nehemiah chapter 2. Uh, last week, or another week before, uh, we, we worked our way through chapter 1, so tonight we're going to start in chapter 2 of Nehemiah. So if you're using one of our Bibles here in the student space, you can find that on page 476, Okay. So again, if if you use one of our Bibles here, uh, page 476, and tonight uh, we're going to walk through the first 10 verses of Nehemiah chapter 2 as we continue uh, the conversation, as as, as we continue in our series. So again, page 476, if you're using your own Bible, uh, not sure what what page it's on, but uh, I have faith in you to find it. Um, So again, we're going to walk through the first 10 verses of Nehemiah chapter 2, tonight. So before we start unpacking these verses, let me just briefly share with you uh, where we were last week or a few weeks ago. Uh, We said we we were introduced to this guy named who? Who was it? St. Lauderdekar. Thank you. So we were introduced to this guy named Nehemiah, and what we saw was that Nehemiah was given a really bad report about his homeland. He was told some really terrible news about his people, about his homeland, and from that it led to a conviction and a burden in his heart, that led to an intentional and purposeful prayer. We saw that Nehemiah was given some terrible news, and he decided to pray about it. And he decided to, uh, or well, he had, he had this conviction in his heart of something just wasn't quite right. So, if you missed that conversation, if you weren't here um, a few weeks ago, go back to our Instagram. You can go back to our podcast channel, catch up, listen to it because it was a really a really good conversation. But tonight, like I said, we're gonna walk, we're gonna walk our work, work our way. Uh, through the first ten, chap- first 10 verses of chapter 2. And what we're going to see tonight is that Nehemiah, we're going to continue in a story. We're going to see that Nehemiah uh, tonight, he, he, he receives that opportunity that he prayed for back at the end of chapter 1. So we're going to pick up right where we left off about uh, walking through uh, the first 10 chapters of Nehemiah 2. So I'm going to break through this in a little bit here. And instead of reading all the verses uh, together, we're gonna do it different, and we're 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 going to just work our way slowly through it, uh, while pausing along the way, as we uh, consider our conversation or our considerations for tonight. And just like last week, uh, last week I gave you three questions to think of. Right? Remember that? Two weeks ago. Remember that? Someone say yes. Thank you. Thanks for lying to me if you don't remember that. Uh, Tonight, we are going to continue that trend by giving you three more questions for you to consider, for me to consider as we think about uh, the convictions and the burdens that God gives. Because here's the reality. Uh, Back in the book of Nehemiah, things were messed up. They were really, really crazy. Guess what? Things have not changed today. And most of us can agree with that. Most of us know how uh, wild the world can get, how, how wild things can get for us. The so things have not changed, which means that that burden, that conviction for something that, for something to happen, for God to move, should still be just as strong today as it was for, ne- for Nehemiah back then. So let's begin working our way uh, through chapter 2 of Nehemiah. Verse 1 says this, In the month of Nisan, not the car, in the month of Nisan, in, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This this can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad? when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Verse 4, then the king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. Now pause there because here's where we come into contact with our first uh, question, our first takeaway for the night. And the first takeaway is this, how committed to the prayer am I? How committed to the prayer am I? Now, as we come into uh, chapter 2 of Nehemiah, we see that Nehemiah is given the opportunity that he prayed for at the end of chapter 1. Um, and, and, and here's the really, really cool thing. Uh, Nehemiah is also given the opportunity to see how committed he was to the prayer that he prayed at the end of chapter 1. Because at the end of chapter 1, we see that it, or in, in chapter 1, it was in the month, of left, Well, if you look at uh, what these names meant uh, between Nehemiah one and Nehemiah two, there were four months that happened. Think about that, Ian. Last week we talked about you know how success looks like. I mean, for, for Nehemiah, he waited four months for this opportunity that he prayed for. He waited four months. He 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 wrestled with that weight for four months. He wrestled with that burden for four months, just thinking, well, maybe today's the day. So we see that it's been four months uh, since Nehemiah prayed that prayer. And as we come into chapter 2, we see that it's finally here. That moment finally comes. And can I just say this? Um, Knowing that Nehemiah was just as human as you and I are, I have to believe or I have to imagine that he got impatient sometimes in the waiting. And can't we do the same thing sometimes? Can't we get impatient when we're waiting for something? right? Like It's hard enough to wait for five minutes in the drive-thru, or wait 30 minutes in a restaurant. Imagine waiting four months. Some of y'all know what that's like. Some of y'all know what it's like for yourself, or a friend, or your family to pray, hey, and listen please, to pray for so many months just waiting for God to move, God to, to do something, and then just more waiting, more waiting. So had to imagine Nehemiah, man, he's like, okay, listen, God, like, I've been waiting for four months now, and it's about time you do something. It's about time you answer my prayer. And, and just like us, he uh, usually, he, he probably had days where he woke up thinking, okay, this is going to be the day, right? He woke up thinking, okay, this is the sun shining, everything's falling into place. It is, right? Hey, guys, in the back, listen, please, because right now, it's the most important part, and you're talking, and it's not working. So please either move or stop talking, please. Thank you. So Nehemiah probably had this where he was like, hey, listen, this this is it, right? Like th- this is the moment. And then goes to bed. Man, I thought today was the day. You ever been there? You think, man, I really, I really thought I would get that. I, I really thought that I would get the 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 spot on the team. I, I really thought that I would get that accomplishment or, or 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 get that grade, and then you go home and you're like, but I didn't. So then you might have these days where you're like, man, I thought this was going to be it. And in this, we see something about the experience of of time and waiting that is often not thought of while we're experiencing that. You see, time and waiting are an opportunity to see our commitment level. It's, 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 easy, to see as, it's easy to see time and waiting as unbearable or uncomfortable or unneeded, or uh, not worth it. But but what if there was a purpose in that? Because here, here's what I know about God. Everything he does has a purpose. Everything he allows to happen has a purpose. So sometimes God says yes right away. Sometimes God says not right now, and it's four months, or it's 40 years, or it's 400 years. <laughs> but that time and that waiting, it really just allows us to see how committed we are to, how, how committed we are. So what would, what would the story have looked like if Nehemiah would have changed his mind in those four months? What, what if in those four months, he would have thought, I mean, ",You know what? At the time, that, that seemed like a, like a really good prayer, but now that I' thought about it, now, now that I've slept a couple days, I, I'm not so sure what I was doing there, right? As Nehemiah comes into this opportunity, the king recognizes his sadness. And he asked about it, and the king knew that he wasn't sick. Right? The king said, "Hey, listen, I know you're not sick. Uh, so what this tells us is that it wasn't just a little man cold that got Nehemiah down. And if you don't know what that means, grow up, get married, you'll know what it means. Okay? Um, so it wasn't this little man cold that uh, that Nehemiah had. And, uh, but the king's like, "Hey, like you're you're not sick. So like, what's going on? Like, why are you so sad? And despite Nehemiah being afraid." He commits to tell the king why he was sad, despite knowing that the conversation might end this. Because you see, at the time, it was highly unencouraged for a slave to tell their king about the negative emotions. You know why? Because it was thought, well, what, what if the king hears my struggle, hears my worry, and thinks that I'm not happy with them? All of a sudden, things might change, and it could even lead to the end of that person's life. So imagine Nehemiah's reaction to the king, asking him what he wanted after Nehemiah showed emotion and shared his conviction and burden. I had to believe that he was speechless. I had to believe that he was, like, kind of taken back. (laughs) Like, wait, you actually listening to me right now? (laughs) So I had to imagine Nehemiah, he, he, he was speechless in this moment. I had to believe that he didn't know what to say. I, I had to believe that this is why Nehemiah's first response was to pray. If you notice, after the king says, Hey, what do you want? Nehemiah doesn't just shoot off with an answer. Nehemiah just doesn't go into, Well, here's what I want. No, he, he prays. How often do you and I just Pray in response. See, often we pray at the end, right? We pray after things have gotten wrong, right, or, or, or after uh, things have gotten messed up. Then we, then we ask God. But 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 what? But what if we actually prayed as our first response, and not our last resort? And there's something else that we see about this experience of time and waiting. From this, we see that time and waiting are an opportunity. To see if we will follow through on our commitment. Again, four months that had, had had went by. And most of us, if we were in Nehemiah's shoes probably at month two or month one or day 10, would have been like, well, it's not God's will. It's not God's purpose for me to, to have to have this. It's not, it's not part of God's purpose for me. So for a moment, let's uh look at this through the lens of 2024. How how easy. Is it for us to say we're willing to do something, but not necessarily committed enough to actually follow through in that? Think about this. How, how often uh, do people commit January 1 to be more physically active, right? Go to the gym, exercise more, buy the gym membership for $1, <laughs> and how often does that, does that last, honestly? couple days right because they realized okay it sounds great to be physically fit it sounds great to be physically active it sounds great to have that gym membership that gets me the free tan and 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 everything but then they realized oh man i actually have to get up early sometimes i i have to go in after school after practice after work i don't know about that anymore right all of a sudden, that that thing that sounded so great—you are so willing to, to to throw everything in for. All of a sudden, you realize just how much it takes. Ah, can I just uh, take my, my my answer back? <laughs> Why is this? Why? Is it, I, and, and and listen, maybe you, may, maybe you are the one example. You you are the um, the one person that whenever you commit something, you follow through all the time. But I'm I'm going to assume you like me. And there's a lot of things that I've committed to in the past that I haven't really followed through with. Because so I've realized, man, this is not that easy. So, so so why is it like why are we like that? When I, thought about the, when I thought about that, this is what I came up with. It is one thing to say that we are willing to do something, but it is something else to follow through on that thing. Again, it sounds great, right? Working out every single day, getting fit, uh uh learning something new. Um Accomplishing uh, this this incredible thing, and then when you realize that's going to require something from you, you can't just show up and it, it, it happened All of a sudden, you have to ask yourself, "Okay, am I willing to actually follow through with that?" In the in in the very first conversation of this series, it was said that it that not much has changed between the time of Nehemiah and the time of twenty twenty four. See, in the time of ne- in the time of Nehemiah. God's people, Christians, they were being encouraged by the world and its culture to move away from God and what he wanted for them and move towards what they believed and the fake gods that they worshipped. Can we all agree that not much has changed? Can we all agree that the world and its culture still is fighting for your attention? It's still bidding for your affection. It's 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 still trying to get you to pay attention to them. It's still... Uh, just just flashing things in front of you saying listen it's, it's all worth it so not much has changed isn't it true that we are encouraged sometimes just bombarded daily by the world and its culture to move away from what God has established as right and wrong and move towards what you and I believe is right and wrong can we agree on that like, right now, I know there's this big push on loving everyone equally. Listen, and that includes loving people who, who, who are homosexual, who are gay, whatever. And I know this is not, a, not a, a fun thing to preach about, but listen, God has already said what marriage should look like. God has already said what genders look like, okay? It's male and female. That is it. But, but we get bombarded by things saying, hey, listen, no, that's not, th- th- there's more options, right? There's an option, C, D, E, F, G, H, all the way to Z, but can I tell you that there's only one option, and that's what God has already said. And so the world is constantly telling you, "Hey, listen, it's more about what you want, Do what makes you happy, do what, do, do what makes you satisfied. You do, you boo and worry nothing about and worry not, and worry about nothing else. But let, let's be honest. How many times have our own decisions caused us more pain? How many times have, have, have our own wants caused us more struggle? How many times have we got that thing, got that person, got that, got that status, got that, that whatever it is, then we realize ah, I still want more. So the world's constantly saying, hey, listen, listen to me. Follow me. Do what you want. Follow your heart. Listen, that is the stupidest thing ever printed on a card. You know why? Because your heart is stupid. Your heart is dumb. Your your heart is evil. In fact, God's word says that the most evil thing is our heart. (laughs) So why would we want to follow our heart when God says it is evil? The world says, hey, listen, it's okay. Follow your heart. Do what makes you happy. And so not much has changed that's the same thing that was being said to them, to them back in the book of Nehemiah. You know, last week, the question of our willingness to pray for what needed to happen was considered. Well, this week, I'm going to add on to that by saying that, that the question of our commitment level is being considered. So what do you do when God responds to your willingness by giving you an opportunity to fully commit? What do you do when God says, hey, listen, you prayed for an answer? You're it. What happens when you, 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 you pray for restoration, you, you pray for this, this thing to happen, you pray for a breakthrough, you pray for a miracle, and God says, hey, guess what? You're part of my solution for that. That's when we get quiet, isn't it? Are you sure about that, God? <laughs> Don't you know that guy over there, he is much better equipped than that for me? I mean, listen, Moses tried to do the same thing, right? The was just one time. Like Moses <laughs> Jake, I thought of this the other day. Moses said the same thing like five different times. And every time God said, Hey, hey listen, Moses, I've given you your brother Aaron, so go. Five times Moses says, Hey, listen, God, I can't speak. I stutter. I'm not good with words. Well, listen, sign me up on that camp, right? And God says, Hey, listen, hey, Moses, I gave you Aaron. Now go. Every time. He never says, oh, okay, well, you know what, Moses, you convinced me, you're right, just forget it. No, God says, listen, I gave you what you need, now go. So what do you do when you realize that, hey, maybe I'm part of the solution, Eep, right? I mean, you're on the front row, too, it's, like, it's obvious, right? Like, it's like, it's obvious. <laughs> oh, I love student ministry. So, so let's pick back up to where we were, because Nehemiah had that same opportunity. He had had that same moment to see where his commitment level was. So let's let's pick back up. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 5. And I answered the king, if it pleases the king, if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king said, then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked him, How long will your journey take, and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. Now, pause there, because here's where we come into contact with the second consideration for tonight. Number two is this. Am I willing to be used as the answer to the prayer? Am I willing to be used as the answer to the prayer? Again, the prayer was God I want to pray for what needs to happen, not what I want to happen. So am I willing to be used as the answer to the prayer? Again, we see Nehemiah, he answers the king's direct question with a direct response. Essentially, uh, Nehemiah tells the king that he would like permission to go back to his homeland to rebuild the wall. And as you continue to read, we see you see that Nehemiah or that the king asked Nehemiah, "How long he would be gone. Now, we don't know uh, how, how much time Nehemiah requested. It's not in there. Uh, but from what I've seen and from what we know, that if you go all the way to, to Nehemiah 5, chapter, chapter 5, verse 14, he was there for 12 years. Again, Nehemiah 5, uh, verse 14, says that he was there for 12 years. So uh, people who have studied the, the Scriptures much more and I have, who are much smarter than me, uh, they say that more than likely that Nehemiah asked for a year at least or two years at most to cover the time and travel, because back then, they didn't have cars, they didn't have scooters, they had donkeys and camels and, and their feet, okay? So it took him a minute to get there. It, it, it wasn't a simple one day, no, it was like a, a several week journey. So we don't know how long, he was, how long he asked for originally, but he ended up being there for 12 years. And I can't help but think to myself, did Nehemiah expect to be gone that long? Did you think Nehemiah plan for 12 years? Like when, he, like, when he packed this stuff, do you think he packed, like, 12 pairs of underwear and, like, you know, 20 shirts to cover? I don't think that he did. I don't, I don't think that he expected to be there, to, to be there 12 years. Did, did he expect his yes to lead him down the road that it did? If you've ever read through the book of Nehemiah, you know that God uses Nehemiah in some incredible ways, all because he was willing to be used as the answer to the prayer. It all started, Rick. Rick, listen, please. all started with God places a conviction in his heart, and he responds. So, for a moment, can we just look at this again through the lens of twenty twenty four? As it was said a few moments ago, it's 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 one thing to be willing to do something, but a whole other thing to actually follow through to do that. Every person that we read about, besides Jesus, had their mess-ups and their hang-ups. Every person called by God, called to God, had their mess-ups and their hang-ups. They had their their flaws. They had their, their stuff, whatever it was. Imagine how easy it would have been for Nehemiah to ask the king to send somebody else. You ever think about that? What if Nehemiah would say, hey, you know what, king? Yeah, that's still an issue. Yeah, it's still a problem, but can you just send somebody else? Send someone else to do that, because you know what? I I just don't feel like it anymore. See, Nehemiah was in a really good spot. I mean, he he was the cupbearer to the king. I mean, he was right there with the king every step of the way. So he was in a really, really good spot, and he was asking to step out of that to be in a place that was marked by destruction, misery, and hopelessness. So Nehemiah asked the king, King, let me leave this place that I'm sitting really good and go to a place that was marked with destruction, misery, chaos, and hopelessness. Most of us are not going to take that deal, right? (laughs) Most of us are not going to... Say, yep, sign me up for that one. That sounds like a great camp in the summer. <laughs> like, no. And I can't help, this is really cool. I can't help but see a foreshadowing of what Jesus would do in, in the New Testament in this. Because you see, in the New Testament, Jesus steps out of heaven to be in a place marked by destruction, misery, and hopelessness. Think about that. God literally steps out of perfection, steps out of heaven to step into a mess all because he loves you. He loves me. Now, I love a lot of people, but there's a very few that I would actually step into a mess for. Becca's one of them. Everyone's one of them. Everyone else, hard to say sometimes. So Jesus stepped out of perfection because he loves you. It wasn't a vacation for him. It wasn't a day at the spa. It it, it it wasn't a family trip to Disneyland. No, it was. He was stepping into a mess that would lead to his death. Would lead to him having nails pierced through his skin. For you. And this is the heartbeat of the gospel, man. You see, the the heartbeat of the gospel is about people as many as possible. Accepting what Jesus did for them by recognizing and responding to his death and resurrection. So what happens when God places a conviction or burden on our heart about the destruction, misery, and hopelessness around you and says, go? What happens when you look at your school, look at your friends, you see how bad things are, you see how how messed up things are, you have this conviction, you say, man don't do something right fb or first priority do something about that right all them christian kids do something about that right what happens when god says hey listen go the reality is that there are students who go through middle school and high school every single day who know more about misery and hopelessness than they do about joy and hope there are students who know more about the pain, shame, and guilt from what from what they've done before more than they know about the freedom and life that Jesus offers. Think about that. It doesn't it doesn't matter if they go to Northern Middle School, Southern Middle School, Pulaski County High School, Southwestern High School, Somerset High School, uh, Lincoln County High School, or any other high school or middle school in the state. There are people right now who are walking more and know more about their hopelessness than they they do about Jesus who gives them hope no matter what if they just simply say yes to him. Here's another heavy reality. There are students right now sitting in a church that feel more misery, hopelessness, guilt, pain, and shame than they do about joy, hope, freedom, and life that Jesus offers. The place that should be the most encouraging is a place they just sit in their guilt. And here's what I'm, here's what I'm going to assume. Some of you who, who feel more guilt, shame, and, and hurt from your past, you're in this room right now. You know more about what you did before. You know more about hopelessness and trying to be enough, do enough. You know more about that than you do about the fact that Jesus loves you and will accept you as you are. And there are, are even adults right now who find themselves in this place, whether it be here or somewhere else. So, what happens when God speaks directly to your heart and says, Go to those students who need me the most and tell them about me and what I have to offer them? Go to those students and tell them that before things can get better, they have to recognize who I am and ask Jesus to begin a relationship with them. What if God says, Hey, go be the solution? Go be the answer. Go be my person, my representative. In fact, the Bible says that anyone who's in Christ, they become an ambassador for Christ, which means that they go before, they go and they ask the questions, they prepare the way, they go and they are the ambassador for Jesus. As we continue in Nehemiah 2, we see that Nehemiah was not done, and he had more to ask. So check out verses 7 through 10 really quickly. Verses 7 through 10. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct while I arrive in Judah. And may I have a, a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the, and for the residence that I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. So I went to the governors of Trans Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king I had also sent army officers in Calvary with me. When Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite officially heard about this, they were, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. So let me so he, so here's here's our third point. Third question. Am I prepared to fight? Am I prepared? To fight. Now, before I go any further, let me clarify and ease the mind of every parent listening. I am not encouraging our students to physically go out and fight people. Okay? That's not what I'm saying. This is not fight club, okay? There's no secret club. No, there's no fight club. I'm not, I'm not I'm not saying that. As Nehemiah continues to ask the king for things. We see him ask for safe passage and supplies. He asks for safe passage as he travels and supplies that he would need to rebuild the wall. And the king not only grants Nehemiah these things, but he also includes a small army that would travel with Nehemiah. Think about this. Nehemiah, he goes in thinking, okay, if I can just get, you know, safe passage and supplies, that's all I need. Goes in, he says, hey, hey king, this is what I need. King says, hey, listen, here's all that plus your own private little army. That's pretty impressive, right? That's like the jackpot, right? So he comes away with more than he had asked for. So most people, me included, would be thinking or even saying, "How in the world does that even happen? How how, how does a servant going into a conversation with the king leave with exactly what he wanted and more?" One thing that was said during our small groups last week, or last week with with the guys is that there are some scriptures in the Bible that really don't require us to dig much. It's, it, it, the answer is there, essentially. The writer puts the answer there, and here's where we are. Nehemiah does that same thing for us. Go back to verse 8 with me really quickly, the last half of verse 8. So you want to know why Nehemiah was able to get what he wanted and more? Verse 8, And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. So Nehemiah knew something that we can't and shouldn't miss. Nehemiah knew that his success depended on God's involvement and God's help. Nehemiah knew that God was the one who provided these things. And we we shouldn't miss this because that hasn't changed. (laughs) Let me ask you something as we begin to wrap up. Do you think that Nehemiah was surprised when he began to face opposition? You think Nehemiah was caught off guard? Yes or no? No. Any any, any yeses? No right or wrong answer. I promise you. So we got so we got one no. All right. Nehemiah was not surprised at all by that because I mean the opposition started even before Nehemiah got there. Right? Like like these guys heard about Nehemiah, heard what he wanted to do, and got defensive and mad. Right? They they just heard, they didn't even see him. He they they heard about him and started to plan their attack against him. And can I be honest just just for a second? I've been honest the whole night, so it is what it is. The same battle that Nehemiah fought in his time is the same battle that you and I fight today when we choose to follow Jesus. Yes, these guys won't walk into the door. They're dead. I promise you, they're not going to... Only God can do that. Only God can rise from the dead, okay? So they're not going to walk through the door. They're dead. They're gone. Yes, the world and its culture sounds and looks very different than it was back then, but the same enemy that wanted to cause destruction and create misery and hopelessness is the same enemy that is trying to do that today. We don't talk about this a lot in church, but he has a name. His name is Satan. He's very real. He wants your soul. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy everything about you. So Satan, who was working back then, is still working now. In fact, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse, verse 12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Man, that, that just complicates things, right? When we, when we know that our fight's not against people, it complicates it because because we can be selective of what we tell people right we can choose what to say to people we we can craft our words we we can say things in certain ways but they are nothing compared to what to what Satan can do so it it, it complicates things but let me show you two verses that should give you encouragement and strength the first one is John 16:33 i've told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Okay, there's, there's one. Here's the second one. First John chapter 4, verse 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So the God who overcame the world... lives in you it lives in every single person that gives their heart to god and here's why it's so important because the closer we are to god the better prepared we are to fight the enemy in his plans so here so here's the here is the reality you're here and you never placed your faith in him, you never given your heart to God, you never called Jesus your Lord and Savior, then you are not a child of God. The spirit that we just read about who gives you peace, who gives you victory, that spirit does not live inside of you. Because in order for that to happen, you have to accept Jesus first. No, it sounds kind of mean. But that's what the Bible says, so here we go. So maybe you're here. You've been in church. You've been in youth group. You've been different churches, different youth groups, but you've never actually had that moment where you said, you know what, God, I am nothing and you are everything. You've never had that moment where you said, God, I want you to come into my life and have control. I surrender. I give you everything. Maybe you've never had that before. Listen, if that's you, don't leave in that same place. That's not the heart of the gospel for you. The heart of the gospel says that anyone, no matter who they are, no matter what their past is, no matter what they've done, where they've been, what they've seen, what they've listened to, what they've watched, no matter any of that, if they choose to call on Jesus, they'll be saved right then and there. Done. Story over. But you have to choose that for yourself. I can't make you. Your parents can't make you. These adults can't make you. Your grandparents can't make you. The church can't make you. You have to choose for yourself Jesus. And maybe you're here tonight and that's where you got to start. But maybe you're here, you've, you've made that commitment. You've you said, you know what, God, I'm all in. But there's been a part of that, that's been kind of holding back because you've been scared of what God might say to you. You've been scared of, 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 of where God might send you. Listen, it's tough to go across the country, but it's just as tough to go across the cafeteria. I get that. I know that. It's just as tough to do that. So maybe you're here, you've you've placed your faith in him, but if you were honest, you would say, you know what? I've been scared in my prayer life. I've 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 been scared to ask God things, and that needs to change. Listen, if God sends you, he'll equip you. In fact, one of my favorite verses says that in the moment that you'll be given the words to say. We're, we're, we're not given a spirit of being scared or being worried. That's what our human nature does. But we're given a spirit of power because when we worry about what to say, God tells us, hey, I got this. We look back at Moses. He didn't tell Moses, hey, go reinvent the wheel. He said, go tell them what I've told you. That simple. Go tell them what I've told you. Don't add anything. Don't take away anything. Just tell them what I've told you. So if you're here and you know that God's calling you to do something, because there's no such thing as a lazy Christian. There's no such thing as a don't do anything Christian. If you're a Christian, you're you're in the fight, man. You're in the fight. God's going to use you whether you're ready for it or not. In a moment, I'm going to pray. If you're here. And you know that you've never placed your faith in Him. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I want I want you to pray that with me, because that's what the gospel is. The gospel says that, that I am that I am nothing, and God's everything. I am nothing, and Jesus is everything.